Hello, and welcome back to the Smart Poker Study Podcast. Thank you so much for spending some of your study time with me today. Oh, by the way, my name is Sky. So I don't know if you know about my other podcast called Daily Poker Tips. You can find it at uh, smartpokerstudy.com slash dailypokertips. Just one word right there. Now, every single day, I release a daily poker tip. Obviously, that's what the podcast is about. But uh, seeing as how today is September, or this episode drops on September 1st, last month, August 2022, I did an entire month of Q and August, where I answered questions sent in by you, my audience, as well as uh, my own one-on-one students and also my Poker Forge students. I answered a brand new question every single day. And in this episode, I'm going to give you my five favorite questions along with my answers. Now, I chose these five specifically because they seem like they potentially have like the broadest appeal. The answers to these questions can possibly help the most members of my audience. At least I feel that way. So I chose these five and they're about downswings, the red line, autopiloting, better bluffing, and fighting fear. So I hope you enjoy them. Real quick, before we get to the five, I'm offering lifetime membership to the Poker Forge right now. The sale is going from now until Tuesday the 6th at midnight of next week. Now, the price for a lifetime membership to the Poker Forge is never going to be lower than this. Go to thepokerforge.com right now to lock in lifetime membership to the Poker Forge. And make sure you go to the show notes page for today, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 406 to help you take notes. All right, let's get to the questions and answers. Gambate! Woohoo! I'm a college man! I won't need my high school diploma anymore! I am too smart! I am too smart! I am too smart! I am too smart! SMRT! I mean, SMART! We're doing a daily QA in August, so here it is for the fifth. This one comes to us from Mark. I'm on a 12 buy-in downswing right now. It's affecting my play. What do I do? First off, Mark, you're in a downswing, sure, and things might be going against you. The poker gods have it in for you. Your opponents keep sucking out. But I want you to blame yourself. Imagine that all of these losses, the full 12 buy-ins, are because you're making bad mistakes. And the reason why I want you to blame yourself is no matter what, even if you're in a downswing, even if luck is against you, I guarantee you're still making mistakes, right? Those leaks that you had before the downswing are probably still leaks that you have right now. So blaming yourself and not blaming the gods allows you to take responsibility for this downswing. So now you can effectively work on fixing it and get back up to even and back to your winning profitable ways. The next thing I want you to do is to flip your play to study ratio. Maybe you play three hours and then you study one hour for every three hours played. You're at a three to one ratio. Switch that to one to three. For every one hour you play, study for three hours. When things are going against you and you're just losing a ton of money, it sucks. But if you keep playing while you're losing, you're just going to lose more. Let's switch it for at least a few days, maybe a week or two. Study way more, three times more, then you play. You're going to be working on your skills. You're going to be going through your database and you're not going to exacerbate the losses that you're already experiencing. Now, the next thing I want you to do is dig into your losing hands, find the mistakes that are costing you money and work to improve those things. 
and maybe assess the way you play. Maybe you play while you're distracted. Maybe you play late at night after you've had a couple beers. Maybe you're playing too many tables and you can't think through your decisions. Maybe you're not studying at all and you're just playing and this anger is building up and this tilt is building up over time due to your losses. So think about the things other than the exact strategies that you're using that might be causing your losses. Now, if the amount of losses are really affecting you, drop down in stakes. If you're a 25 NL player right now, so buying in for $25 cash games or even $25 tournaments, go ahead and drop down to 10 NL, $10 games, $10 tournaments, $5 games, $5 tournaments. Refocus on making great decisions. And oftentimes, at least I've found this to be true, when I have less money on the line, I'm more able to make those aggressive plays and make good reads because the money just really isn't that big of a deal when I'm used to playing $25 games, you know? We're doing a daily Q&A in August. So here it is for the 8th. This question comes from Keith. He asks, my red line in Poker Tracker 4, it's an ugly down slope. How do I fix this? So for those who don't know, who've never seen the red line, that's your non-showdown winnings. It's a visual representation of how much you're winning or losing when your hand does not get to showdown. Now, I know that Keith, he's one of my students, he's a tight player. For tight players, they fold a lot and they don't steal that often. Not as often as like loose aggressive players, right? So most of the time, your red line is a down sloping line on the graph. You want to contrast this or think about it in terms of a blue line, which is your showdown winnings. Most type players, they have an upsloping blue line because they get to showdown more often than not with a strong winning hand. And that green line, your actual winnings, that line is often in between the two. The blue is up above, the red down below. Now, there's a lot of ways you can improve your red line. But the basic way, the most number one simplest way is you have to steal more pots, both pre-flop and post-flop, which means your bluff needs to work. You need to target the right players at the right times. Your bet sizing, your raise sizing needs to be enough to convince your opponent to fold whatever they're holding. So that's the very first step to improving that red line bluff more often especially when you you know kind of like uh, 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 analyze the situation and you realize that your opponent can find a fold now here's what i recommend to improve your bluffing you just don't want to start bluffing across the board at all times and work on everything right choose one form of bluffing at a time and work on it for one or two weeks each I would recommend first to work on your preflop steals, like just open raising to steal. Also, your three bet bluffs. Work on those next. Now, let's go post flop. Work on your C bet bluffs for one or two weeks, and then your float bet bluffs. That means betting when someone checks to you. And then your probe bet bluffs. That's betting the next street when somebody checks behind on the prior streets. Those are the easiest times to be bluffing your opponents. Next, you you can work on like donk bluffing. So you called somebody's preflop raise, you're out of position. You bet when the flop or the turn hits. You also want to work on your bluff raising on, on flops and turns and also those triple barrel bluffing opportunities. Now, here's another really important thing. Of course, you can steal more pots to earn more money without showdown. But you all also want to work on losing less by folding sooner. 
What often happens is we call on the flop with no thought to the turn. We don't consider what our opponent's going to do on the next street. We don't think about, oh, what cards can we continue on on the next street as well? You just face a flop bet and you don't want to fold, so you call. But what would be better quite often is before you call on the flop, plan for what you're going to do on different turn cards or against another bet. If you're just going to fold to every bet on the turn and you know your opponent is going to double barrel, Calling right now is a waste and it hurts your red line. So fold on the flop before you know you're going to have to fold on the turn. And here's the last thing that you can do. Value bet more frequently and never slow play. Now lots of players hate folding on flops, but they fold on the turn. Well, if you flop a very strong hand and you bet... They're going to call, hoping that you're bluffing, hoping to hit something good on the next street. And then when you bet again on the turn, they end up folding. But that's fine. That helped your non-showdown winnings. They gave you value. They threw a couple, like two, three, or four big blinds your way on the flop, and they gave up on the turn. That's going to improve that red line. Now, the good thing also about doing more value bets is, let's say they call the flop. They call the turn. They call the river. You get to showdown. Yeah, that hand didn't help your non-showdown red line, but it helps your blue line and it helps your overall bankroll, right? So just in general, value bet more. Do not slow play. A quick break in the action. I want to mention that the Labor Day Poker Forge lifetime membership sale is going from now until Tuesday the 6th next week. I'm offering lifetime membership to thepokerforge.com at a price that will never be lower. I promise you, the price of lifetime membership will never be lower than this. So don't miss this opportunity for access to the nine masterclass courses, all of the videos, the quizzes, the demonstrations, all that jazz, and course number 10 coming next year. Plus, there are loads of bonuses, downloads, cheat sheets, ooh, monthly events as well. And this is truly a spectacular, never gonna be lower price. Get all the details and have access for life by going to thepokerforge.com right now. It's Q and August. So here's your question and answer for the 16th. So this one comes to us from Brian. He says, I heard your Q&A from the 9th, and I still don't know what to do when I catch myself autopiloting mid-session. That's really good. I'm really glad Brian um, emailed me with this one because since the 9th, since I answered Jacob's question on the 9th, I've been giving it more thought, right? And now I have what I think, for me, it's my definitive answer to wake yourself up from autopiloting uh, when you experience it mid-session. And there's four parts to it. Okay, part one, write this down on a sticky note, on a piece of paper, whatever you need to do as you're listening right now. When you when you find yourself, all of a sudden you realize you were autopiloting, the last 20 button clicks you made were just non-thinking just because you held the hand on that board. Step one is to sit out on all of your tables right now. Do not play another hand. Don't wait for the big blind. Just sit out. Step two, while you're sitting out, before you exit the table, look at all the players, especially if you're an online player, right? You have a HUD moat for the most part with Poker Tracker 4. Use the HUD. Look at all your opponents. Color code each one. So before you leave and or before you come back to the table, all of the opponents are going to be color-coded by player type. Now, this is going to get you right now actively thinking about your opponents, and you're starting to use that poker intellect. You're reigniting your noggin. 
Step three is to step away from the table for three to five minutes, right? Go to the bathroom, get some water, do some push-ups, do some pull-ups, whatever you need to do to kind of clear your mind just for a little bit. And maybe if you're feeling antsy or whatever, calm down a bit. You want to get back into that poker mindset. Now, after your break, if you're feeling good and confident, go ahead and restart your tables. If not, just close all of the tables and end the session right there. But if you do decide to keep playing, uh, step four is to tighten up for the next 10 minutes. So if a play, if it's not an obvious open raise or a three bet, just fold. Do not call for the next 10 minutes. The reason why is calling too much, that's the biggest autopiloting mistake. You just see six, seven suited, so you call. You don't even think about who the open raiser is, nor the opponents left to act. You don't even think about what could come on the flop. What kind of flops are you looking for? Oh, it's seven, six suited. I got to call. No, no, no. Do not allow yourself to call, play fold or three bet only, or I guess raise or fold only, I guess is what I should say. Open raising is fine. ISO raising is fine. Three betting is fine. Folding is fine. No calling. Do this for 10 minutes. The idea behind all these four steps is now you've reignited your poker brain. You're uh, hopefully able to play in a game mode, and now you've left autopiloting behind for this session. It's Q and August. So here it is for the 22nd. This one comes to us from Emmanuel. Um, I'm discovering that a lot of my losses come from erroneous bluff attempts. How can I make better bluffs? Great question. So always ask, ask yourself, before you bluff, flop, turn, river, before it's a donk bluff, a, a float, a probe bluff, a check raise bluff, a raise in position, Whatever it is, the number one question you got to ask yourself is, can he fold here? And I highly recommend assign a percentage before you bluff. So you're in a spot. You totally whiff on the flop. You're in position on the button. The big blind checks to you. You got to ask yourself, can he fold here? And I think he can fold 60% of the time because a really big portion of his range absolutely missed this board. Or take a look at his fold-to-flop seabed HUD stat when he's out of position. Oh, he folds 60% of the time? This board is really ugly. He naturally folds 60%. Maybe he can fold 70% of the time here. So assign that percentage, and if it's a high percentage, make the bluff. But if you ask yourself, can he fold here? Ugh, I don't think he's ever folding here. Look how short his stack is. His range hits this board entirely. Man, this is a really tough spot to fold. I bet he folds only 10% then totally don't bluff, right? Use that question, answer it, and then make your play based on that. Now, some of the things that will help you assign a percentage, like I said, use their statistics, think about their range, their board, and just their general tendencies, right? Speaking of general tendencies, you want to make sure to bluff through on their honest street. So if you know that this player folds a ton on the turn, plan on barreling the turn before you even make that first flop bet. If you know that they hate folding flop and turn, like their fold to seabed is like 10% on both streets, but their fold on the river is like 60%, ah, you've got a river on this player. Expect to make, or uh, expect the necessity to triple barrel bluff this player. Uh, realize that going in before you make your flop and before you make your turn bluff bet. Now, a really important idea is if you think he's folding 75% of the time, but he calls, what does that mean? 
Well, it means that he likes the board, so you should probably give up bluffing on future streets, right? You expected him to fold a ton. He didn't. He stuck it back in your face, maybe with a raise or with a call. He likes his hand. Mm, Probably give up from that point forward. Lastly, what I recommend, Emmanuel, is do a lot of hand reading practice with those bluffing opportunities. So find hands that went to showdown where you didn't flop or you didn't turn a good hand and where you checked on those streets and then go through, assign that pre-flop range, narrow it through the streets and judge whether or not the bluff would have been good. Also look at hands where you did bluff, flop, and turn. It was unsuccessful, but you still got to showdown. You want to see what they held when they called when you thought they would actually fold to your bluff. This is going to help you develop an intuition for better bluffing, which will serve future Emmanuel very well. It's Q and August. Here it is for the 30th. Now, this question comes from Chuck. He said, I think I fold too often because when the board completes... I just automatically put them on the draw that just hit, and I give up. How can I get over this mindset? That's a great question, Chuck. It's related to fear, seeing monsters under the bed. When the straight draw comes in, you put them on a straight every time. Uh, When you have an overpair and they're betting big, you put them on two pair or better every single time. You know, all that kind of stuff. So what I recommend for you, Chuck, and I know you're a member of the Poker Forge, so you've got the hand-reading course within the Poker Forge. Do that entire course from day one all the way through day 30. Two hand reading exercise uh, exercises every single day. Now, do your hand reading exercises with hands um, where you had a questionable spot. So actually, actually I got three recommendations. First, you're going to do your hand reading exercises with questionable hands. This is where you just didn't know what to do, and maybe you were scared that they had the nuts, and you folded a really strong two-pair or a set, or even top-pair, top-kicker, versus somebody who you just, you know, you felt that fear. Monsters under the bed. They have a straight. I gotta fold. That kind of thing, right? So tag those hands as you play. The second set of hands, tag hands where you were right. You made the call, you thought they might have a straight, but you have a top two pair hand, and you thought reasonably sure that, uh, well, they could be bluffing right here. You made the call, you ended up winning the hand. So that's the second set, hands where you were right. The third set of hands that you're going to study and do hand reading exercises with are hands where you were absolutely wrong. You didn't put them on the straight, you didn't put them on the flush, or maybe you just couldn't fold your pocket aces on the three flush, uh, four straight kind of board, right? These are great for learning uh, from those mistaken hands. Now, the key thing, as you're going through these hands with full hand reading, remember, hand reading is pre assigning a pre-flop range, narrowing it through the streets, all that stuff. You have to ask yourself poker's ultimate question all the time, over and over. What are they doing this with? In order to answer it properly, take their player type, their tendencies, their bet sizes into account and use all that information to assign that preflop range and then narrow it through the streets. Another really good question, and I learned this from Alex Fitzgerald. When somebody makes a bet and you're considering a call, could they do this with X? Now, X is the best hand that you beat. So let's imagine... There's four to the straight on the board. You hold ace, king, and the board is um, uh, king, four, five, six, seven, right? So you've got top pair, top kicker with the four, five, six, seven on the board. Could they do this with X? You have ace, king. Could they bet with king, queen, king, jack? Well, king, queen is the next best hand that you beat. If they can do it with that hand, you're free to call. 
if they could do it with um, any two-pair hand, well, that beats your top pair top kicker, you shouldn't. Like, what is the worst hand that they make this bet with? If the worst hand is something that beats you, then do not call. Cool beans! Your learning is not complete until you visit smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 406. And it's definitely not over until you become a lifetime member of the Poker Forge. The Labor Day sale is going on from right now until Tuesday the 6th next week. Lifetime membership, thepokerforge.com. The price will never be lower, and I promise you that, right? So don't miss this opportunity for access to nine masterclass courses, number 10 coming next year, all the bonuses, downloads, cheat sheets, monthly events. The price will never be lower. Get all the details and have access for life by going to thepokerforge.com right now. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.